these parts of the scientific journey are really never seen. You know, we see the end results. We see the graphs, we see the papers. And I think the journey to getting that information is actually really fun and interesting. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to tag along on people's field trips and start documenting the process. Hello and welcome to Just Questions, where I talk to researchers and students about their research questions and how they ask them. And this episode we have... I'm James O'Hanlon and I'm a postdoctoral researcher at Macquarie University. So James, uh, what kind of questions do you ask for your research? I find myself asking questions about systems or organisms that really nobody's studied before. So I'm sort of cursed with always having to start my research projects from scratch. And starting off with very basic information about where to find these animals, what do they eat, what are they actually doing, and once I have that basic information then I can go on and ask you know, much more in-depth and specific questions about their evolution and behaviour. Mm-hmm. And how do you answer these questions? What kind of methods do you use? I usually always like to start out in the field. So you go out and you observe them and you find them and from those observations you, you start asking questions. You know, you see them inhabiting particular environments or maybe behaving in a particular way towards either their prey or their predators or you know, members of their own species and from that you can then start formulating questions and you know, maybe I see something like a praying mantis you know, waving its arms at another praying mantis that's when I can then ask alright is this behavior perhaps a territorial display is it something to do with their mating behavior are they attracting mates and ask those sorts of questions. Once I have those questions, then I usually uh, move away from just observing them into the, in the field, and that's when I start actually doing experiments. And sometimes they can also be done in the field, other times I take them back into the lab and um, have them in controlled conditions. And also lately I've been asking questions using previously published data. So we have a huge wealth of information out there from we published uh, gene sequences that we can look at evolutionary history of animals or even big databases on the distribution of animals. So there's actually a lot of information that's out there that we can uh, use to answer questions for us. So what was the first research question that you asked? first research question I ever asked was probably during my undergraduate degree. I was doing a third year project on cuttlefish behavior. And, I mean, the question was kind of given to me by my supervisor. They were starting off a research project on cuttlefish and wanted to know how reliable captive observations of cuttlefish were. So it was my job for six months is to compare their behavior in the wild and to behavior in the lab and see if there was any differences. And there was a hell of a lot of differences <laughs> in their wild and captive behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you start doing research, you don't really know how to ask questions or how to formulate them properly. And that's why you know, when you start your third year projects or your honors or masters, usually it's your supervisor going, hey, this is interesting, you know, work on that. And it's just through that process of seeing how you answered that question that was given to you, you start to figure out your own questions and you spend so much time out in the field and doing research that you make your own observations and can ask your own questions. 
so th that's where you got your questions for your PhD, uh, doing natural history observations, like you explained. Yeah, and that's sadly something we don't get a lot of time for anymore. You know, fieldwork's expensive, and there's lots of, you know, risk assessments involved and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and there's so much pressure to get data quickly that sadly we don't have a lot of time to just go out into the field and watch and observe and lots of the times we just have to do it on our weekends or in our own times but <laughs> that's usually the best source of really important and, and relevant information. So do, do you think um, general public who might not call themselves scientists mm -hmm. ask such questions more often? Questions can be asked by anyone. Yeah, you know, they probably do. And, you know, just going out on a bushwalk and seeing an animal and just thinking, ah, wonder why they live here. You know, what are they eating? Where are they, where are they sleeping at night? And just making general observations. You know, maybe the only difference between us guys that work in science is that we have the opportunity and the capacity to actually go about answering those questions. Let's talk about your podcast on science communication. Mm -hmm. How and why? Did you start? <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? Um, I will selfishly started because I enjoy it. You know, I have always done a lot of teaching as I've been doing research. I've always liked talking to other scientists outside of your professional context. You know, you can have a meeting where you're talking about particular plans in place or you can be collaborating on a paper together and just sending lots of written documents back and forth and it's all very technical and focused. But then there are other times where you know, maybe you're at a conference or you know, you're just out having coffee in the morning and you start talking to these scientists and you realize that they're actually really dynamic and interesting people. And that's something that I don't think the general public at least get to see. You know, they're only really finding out their scientific inf information through, I don't know, journalism, or maybe even you know, reading scientific papers. And that's great because you find out a lot about you know, discoveries and you find out a lot about the world around you, but you don't get to find out about the people that are making the discoveries. You don't get to find out what it is that inspired them to go and do this research. You don't find out about their failures. You don't find out about the little you know, serendipitous moments that led them to become a scientist. And I think they're really interesting stories. And that's what I wanted to tell. And how did you start off with this? So I started off by sort of combining interests that I already had. I had interest in filmmaking and photography. And I thought, well, why don't we just start making little documentaries? You know, when you're a scientist, you do some pretty amazing things. You know, you go to places on the planet that people rarely actually go to in their day-to-day -day lives. You observe things that most people never ever get the chance to see. And it's just a real shame that these parts of the scientific journey are really never seen. You know, we see the end results. We see the graphs, we see the papers. And I think the journey to getting that information is actually really fun and interesting. And so I thought it'd be a great idea to tag along on people's field trips and start documenting the process. And then in terms of the podcast, I mean, I'm an avid consumer of podcasts. I've always got headphones in my ear listening to all sorts of nonsense. So I thought, why not just have a crack at doing my own? You know, you can't force yourself to do something that 
you, you don't enjoy or, or you're not good at. So if you hate you know, public speaking, but you feel obliged to do it, it's, it's going to be a bit of a disaster. But perhaps you like sort of one-on-one -on -one, uh, interactions with people. So there's these you know, programs where you can be a scientist in school. So you know, perhaps you enroll in that sort of program, and then you can go to schools and just chat one-on-one -on -one with kids about what you do and, and why you do it. Maybe you like creative writing, so why not start your own blog and pursue science communication that way? So find whatever it is you really enjoy, find a medium that you really enjoy communicating your research in, and, and just do that. What advice would you give uh, to a student who might be starting to learn to ask questions? I remember <laughs> when I was a young lad, I wanted to be a comic book artist. I haven't always wanted to be a scientist. <laughs> I used to just love drawing and art. And I was into uh, comic books and wanted to write my own and draw my own. And I remember I was reading this particular comic called Dark Child. And it was, I mean, I would have been a 14-year-old boy. And this is a perfect comic for a 14-year-old boy because it was about this scantily clad blonde woman who turned into a dragon every now and again. And I just thought that the the artwork was so intricate and incredible and i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna write to the to the author and to the illustrator and just say whatever the hell a 14 year old says you know i want to be a comic book artist when i grow up what do i do <laughs> and i was really happy because he actually wrote back to me and the one piece of advice he had to me was don't push the river faster than it's willing to flow <laughs> which is a really lovely little poetic sentiment. And I think that sort of ethos is the, is the best way to approach asking questions as a scientist. You know, if you feel like you're under pressure to ask a question that's really cutting edge or something that's going to be really high impact, then you're just going to pull your hair out and go around in circles and kind of miss asking questions about things that are right in front of you. So take it easy, don't push the river faster than it's willing to flow, and then just go out observing things, go out collecting data, and eventually you will just find yourself, without even realizing, asking particular questions and designing experiments about really interesting things. All right. <laughs> That's a very long answer to your question. That's good. That's great advice. <laughs> Thanks very much, James. No worries. Thanks for having me. And to summarize this episode... Don't push the river faster than it's willing to flow. Follow Just Questions on iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow your host on Twitter at Ravindra underscore PN. <laughs>